0: We're starting a new series tonight called The Fighter, and uh, we're talking about families. And here's the thing I've learned. Every family is weird. Every family has corks. Every family is kind of different, but every family is weird. You'll realize this once you get to college and meet a roommate or something. Right now, your family is the only context you've ever had for a family. And so however weird your family is, that weirdness is all very, very normal for you. It's all you've ever known, right? And you'll see someday, you go to college and you start to really get to know your roommates. Maybe you go home uh, a couple weekends with your roommates. You hear stories from your roommates. Certainly, folks, when you get married, you're like, wow, my family is crazy weird. And your family's weird too, but you get to know your, spou- or your, yeah, your spouse's parents. It's wild. Now, some of you maybe Maybe the only exception is maybe you have like a really, really, really best friend right now, and you live at their house just as much as you live at yours, and so you know their family all over the place, and you're like, their family's weird. But most of the time, I thought my family was normal, until I went to college, I got to know some of my roommates, and I realized, man, my family's pretty messed up too. When I was in college, I had a great friend whose mom had been married three times, and that's not all that uncommon anymore, and it maybe really wasn't even all that uncommon ten years ago, but still for me... Um, that seemed kind of weird to me. It just seemed to me like a lot of weddings and a lot of divorces. And so I remember the crazy thing was in college, my friend's mom then divorced husband number three. And we we went up to Minneapolis one weekend to move her out of husband number three's house. And I just thought, that's kind of crazy. I mean, you have like three stepdads. And then she, I remember they even came to Brookside for a little while. She was dating another guy. I think they got married, husband number four. Um, again, I'm not trying to like bash that a lot of people get married a lot, but I just thought that's kind of weird. Every family has quirks. Every family is kind of weird. Now, um, here's the thing, though, that also is true about all families. All families fight. Fighting is inevitable. And people fight in different ways, but all families fight. And some families, you know this, if this is yours, some families fight hot. When you fight hot, that means there is yelling, screaming. Doors are slamming. Cupboards are slamming. Um, Perhaps even things get punched. Maybe you get punched. I don't know, but maybe a wall gets punched. Um, Maybe there is an actual brawl. Maybe that's more between your siblings than parents, but it's loud noises. Everyone knows when dad is really, really mad. Some families fight cold, right? No talking, in fact, maybe no talking for days on end, ignoring, glaring at each other, no words. And that's sometimes, that's just as bad. But it's usually hot or cold. Maybe there's a neutral. And right now, all of you in here know, like, my family's either hot or cold. Or my parents don't really fight. They kind of sweep everything under the rug, and then uh, they just don't deal with their conflict. And that's not really healthy either. So fighting's not all bad, but it's usually one of those. Um, and, and what's so hard is more than any other type of fighting more than a friend, you know, you fight with a friend, but you go home to mom and dad and it's a safe place. But when your family fights, and the aftermath is ugly and it's not an environment you like to be in. And I don't even know the stories of some of you in here, but some of you, that's why you maybe don't, you're not crazy about your home life. You maybe dread going home. When I was in high school, um, I had a, a really decent relationship with my mom and dad. It wasn't bad. We didn't fight a lot. But the tensions between us rose pretty significantly my freshman year of high school. Because my freshman year of high school My only brother went off to college, and so he was a freshman in college, and so suddenly, maybe you can relate to this, I was like only child living at home with my parents. And so, at least in my opinion, the strictness level like skyrocketed. I mean, just went up like 200%. My brother's out of the house, and suddenly it's just me, and their demands on me were huge. This is how I coped I'd always go down to my room, and I'd close the door, and I'd just like crank music up. I got into like that, like screamo music in high school. We called it hardcore music when I was younger, but I just, and I loved it, at, like dealt with my aggression. So any of you moms in here of teenage sons, you're like, that, maybe that's just a boy thing. They just like scream and rage music. But I remember, here's the thing, one Friday night, against my parents' wishes, I stayed out all night, all night. And I thought I had them, right? I thought I could trick them. So my curfew that year was 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock, I was a freshman, that wasn't bad. But what I knew was this, I knew that my parents went to bed at 10 o'clock every night. Watched the, watch the weather, uh, watched the news, watched the weather, went to bed. And so I thought, 11 o'clock, they're going to be asleep. And the other thing that was, when I was in high school, I had a paper. I was a paper boy, so I delivered papers every morning. I, got, I woke up at 4 a.m. every morning, had to ride my bike up to the town pharmacy, and I'd pick up the papers, deliver papers for an hour, hour and a half. And so I was up before my family was every, every day, every morning, 4 a.m. So I thought, I'm going to stay at Brandon's house all night. And my parents are going to be asleep and they're, surely they're never going to wake up and check their room. Surely they don't care about me. And so I'm going to stay out. They're going to fall asleep. And then I'm going to go deliver the papers. And it'll be great. I'll come home. I'll still, I'll still you know, beat them awake because I'll be awake and it'll be perfect, right? Have you ever done that? I mean, I don't know what the fighting is for you. And that wasn't like the whole most horrendous thing ever. But I stayed out all night. And my parents were probably worried sick. Now, um, what do you think happened? Do you think they found out? I'll tell you in a sec, maybe you try to avoid your parents the same way. I don't know what it is for you, but you're in high school. For whatever reason, you have this angst against your parents, most of you. For some of you, maybe your ploys are the same as mine. That As soon as you get home, you go to your room, you lock the door, you like the music up loud too. You try to talk to mom and dad as little as possible. Mom gets nothing more than a fine, I'm fine answer about your day. Um, it was good. It was fine. But you just don't really like them, and you just don't really like to talk to them. Now, yeah, I mean, w- what happened in, in my story? Obviously, they found out. And the crazy thing was they didn't tell me that they knew. They let me lie to them. And so they, you know, like, so what time did you get home last night? I'll ride at curfew. You know, right ride at 11. You didn't, yeah, I was, I was here. I slept. I delivered the papers. It was great. And then they dropped the, like, Fresh, I was so ignorant as a freshman, and sorry, freshman, I'm not calling you that, but I was just dumb, and maybe, I don't know. I thought I had him, and then I lied to him, so I was grounded for a very, very, very long time. Chances are, if you've had a moment, um, or lots of moments like this, you realize two potentially alarming truths, and I think this is on your outline, if you have an outline, that number one, you can't change your parents, and number two, you can't escape your parents you can't change your parents. You can't escape your parents. See what I realized was this: that the same parents that I rebelled against, the same parents that I thought I had something over—like I can out-trick them, I can outwit them. Oh, I'm so much smarter than my dad. My dad doesn't know, or he doesn't—I mean, it doesn't seem like he knows stuff. And the same parents that I rebelled against were the same parents that I came home that I came home to. And that guess what? They're still my parents today. Isn't that crazy? Our parents will always be our parents, and even if you try to run away, you really can't escape them, and you certainly can't change them. We never stop being our parents' child, no matter how hard we try to run away, no matter how old we get. Um, Your parents, your step-parents, they're not going anywhere, and your relationship with them will be one that you deal with for the rest of your life until they die or until you die. So we really stuck with our parents forever? Yes. Even when you get married, what we're going to talk about tonight still pertains to that. But here's the thing. You can't change who your parents are, and you can't change the, the fact that they're your parents. You can, though, change your relationship and the current relationship that you have with them. That is what you can change. We can change our relationship with them. And so there's a place in the Bible where the Apostle Paul tells us how to do just that. And so um, it's found in the letter that Paul wrote, To the Christians, this is like two thousand years ago. This guy named Paul wrote a letter to these Christians that were living in a city called Ephesus, and guess what they were called? Ephesians. Yeah, that's crazy, and that's a book in the New Testament. Um, And I'm telling you, if you would put this one practice, this one principle, this one verse into practice, it would change how you relate to your parents, how you get along with your parents. It would change everything about. You and your dad or stepmom or stepdad or whoever you live with, your single parent. So Paul wrote Ephesians to a group of friends that he wanted to encourage. And uh, he wrote some very specific instructions on how Christians are supposed to act toward each other. And one of them is directed right at us. So if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, open it up to the book of Ephesians and look at chapter 6. Last chapter in the book, chapter 6, verse 1. I'm gonna read verses one through three. And if you don't have a Bible, that's okay, it's on the screens as well. And you can follow along there. So Paul writes, Paul writes, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? For this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first command commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you, and that may that you may enjoy long life on the earth. It's pretty simple, right? And you've even heard that before. Paul just says he was speaking to husbands and wives right before this, and he says, "Children, this is my instruction to you: obey your parents in the Lord. It's the right thing to do. And you know what? It will go well with you if you do that. Life will be easier. I don't even understand the second part. I don't even it doesn't even quite make sense with." Paul starts, he quotes Deuteronomy 5 here. He quotes the Old Testament. He knows it so well, but Paul quotes the second half. He says, honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. So somehow, and I don't, again, I don't even fully understand this, there's a connection between you honoring your mom and dad, obeying your mom and dad, your dad and stepmom, your mom and stepdad, and you having, like, I guess, a longer life, a better life, a more prosperous life? I mean, I don't know. Maybe it just means you don't, you know, go driving at 2 a.m. if you're obeying your parents, and so then you don't get killed by a drunk driver. I don't know. I mean, maybe it just means life just works better. I don't know that it's saying, like, everyone that dies at a young age probably disobeyed their parents, and that was, you know, that was the problem. I don't even fully understand it. But now Paul starts by saying this. When he says, children he's still talking to us. He's not talking about just people, just little kids that are under the age of 10, under the age of 12. No, he says, children, he's saying, I'm talking to anyone out there who has a mom and dad. Do any one of you guys have a mom and dad? Is there anybody in here that has a mom and dad? Oh, wait, yeah, we all do, right? So he's talking to everyone. I'm a child of my parents. My parents are the children of their parents. Some of us are raised by foster parents, step parents, single parents, grandparents. I know of at least five of you in here, I can't imagine this, who've lost a parent and you're in high school. There's five of you. Did you know that? We don't know each other that well. There's like 17 different high schools represented at Oasis. Isn't that crazy? But at least five of you um, aren't just you don't know them. They've died, your mom and dad. Maybe your dad's been remarried. I know the stories for some of you. But that's hard. Man, if we talk about this, and maybe this brings up a whole lot of just, I don't know, bad thoughts, bad times. Now, notice even what Paul doesn't say here. He doesn't say, children, obey your parents when they, when they buy you the car you ask for. It. That's when you obey them. Well, if you're going to buy me that car, sure, I'll clean the bathrooms. He doesn't say, children, obey your parents if they don't give you a hard time about your grades. He doesn't say, children, obey your parents as long as they let you stay out as late as you want. There's no exception clauses. There's really, it's a very simple verse. You say, yeah, but. There's always a yeah, but. Yeah, but, Brad, you don't understand my parents. Yeah, but, Brad, my dad freaks out. I mean, flies off the handle. My dad, you don't even, Brad, you have no idea. And I don't want to, dis- I cannot dismiss that. You're probably right. I probably do have no idea. I know. I know. But you still, you can't change your parents. And you're retaliating against them. You're revenge against them. Whatever you do against what they're doing to you, that doesn't help anything. You can't change them. Only they can change them. And only you can change you Here's kind of the main point for tonight. You are not responsible for what your parents do. You are responsible for what you do. You are not responsible for what your parents do, but you are responsible for what you do. Again, you can't change them. Only they can change them. And only you can change you. And I know that doesn't make it easier. That's not necessarily like a, oh, great, that's really encouraging this isn't always easy, but they are your parents. It's so hard. Leslie and I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old, and we constantly say, uh, they, they, you know, we tell them no, we tell them something, and I, have to, I just always say, Chloe, I'm sorry you're not in charge. Mommy and Daddy are in charge. And she hates to hear that, I think. But I'm trying to establish even just authority, and that's how families work, and that's how society thrives, is when families work. When I was in high school, one of my duties... Every evening was to set the table, and uh, so every night my parents would be like, "Brad, come set the table," and I'd be like, "Mom, I'm doing my homework." No. But then they'd be they just they just keep asking, and uh, it was always like always at the wrong time. Just like, come on, seriously. And my room was down in the basement. It was like ten mile journey upstairs. (laughs) But you know what? Here's what happened. Eventually, I mean. And I had, I had great parents. I just started doing it. I just started doing it. And I tried to do it the first time they asked me, not because I was a great kid, but I just go, you know what? I'm going to honor my parents. And you know what happened? It started to pay off. We just fought less. We didn't argue as much. There was less strife. There was less, there, I mean, things just went better when I did what they said. And I know that setting the table is so minor, but it was just one of the chores that I had to do. That was my thing. I set the table, my brother cleared it off. Now, I'm kind of giving an overview tonight. You may look at, be looking at your parents and think like they're a lost cause. You may look at your parents and be like, My, you know, I just don't know. I can't wait. Some of you are like, I cannot wait until college, until I'm out of the house. My parents drive me crazy. Again, they're still going to be your parents. You, honestly, you grow to love and appreciate them so much more after you're out of the house than when you're in high school. But here's a couple of things. Um, Here's a couple practical steps. This is kind of toward the bottom of your outline. I don't know if I skipped one or not, but here are a couple places to start. Just getting real practical. Um, And here's the thing: honor is a vague term. Honor is a vague term. Only you know what honor looks like in your life or in your in your home. But what I'm asking you to do, you guys, tonight, what I'm challenging you to do is to be the fighter in your family, to fight for honor for your parents in your family. You say, yeah, Brad, but they don't do it. I don't care. You can't change them, but you can change you. And as mean and as rude and as whatever obnoxious as your parents are, you need to fight to honor them. And it may be be as simple as this. Stop locking the door to your room. Stop locking the door to your room. I don't know, unless you're changing. Um, stop Answer some of your mom's questions when she asks you about your day. Like, actually... Try to talk to your mom. She would really appreciate that. And give answers other than, fine, that's great. That's a good place to start. Talk to your mom and dad, maybe even tonight. Maybe there's something going on. You've been so rude and disrespectful and obnoxious to them. And uh, sure, you think, it's, you think it's justified. but maybe, maybe you need to call them on your way home tonight. Maybe you need to say, hey, will you guys be like, awake in the living room when I get home because I want to talk to you? Maybe you just pull them aside when you get home. But maybe you need to talk to them tonight. Maybe you need to confess something. Um, clean your room, maybe without being asked. That'd be a wild concept. Do the dishes without being asked. Now, dishwashers, I understand some of you are like, I don't know what doing the dishes is. You could still do the dishes. Um, meet your curfew. This is probably huge. Every Friday night, like actually honor the curfew that your parents give you. Don't roll your eyes and sigh every time they ask you to do something. Um, instead, agree to do it right away and do it maybe with a smile on your face. Or maybe you guys just be humble enough to let it go. And maybe you even say, my parents have hurt me in the past, Brad. And I have hurt and I have pain. And that doesn't mean, you letting it go doesn't mean that that was okay. It doesn't mean that that was fine. But still, you, you work up the courage enough to say, I'm going to free them of this. I'm just going to let it go. Now finally, real quick, um, I don't want you to miss this final thing. Why? You say, Brad, why should I? Why should I do this? Well, the Bible says so. Yeah, duh, okay? You all knew before you came here tonight that the Bible said to honor your parents. What else would it say, right? Of course the Bible says to honor your parents. Um, But why? Why should I? Here's an answer. I think this is a great answer. And this is found in the same letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians just a little bit beforehand. Paul writes this, beginning of chapter 5, and the, the chapters and verses weren't in there when Paul wrote this. as a letter. They were added later, so we could navigate it. But Paul writes this. He says, "He says, be imitators of God. Oh, that's great, right? I mean, that's like a good motivation. Be imitators of God. You're like, oh, sweet, Brad. That's even more crushing. Not only am I supposed to honor my parents, but just be like God. You know what I could say to you? I could say, you know, Jesus honored his heavenly Father, but this is what you'd say to me. You'd say, Jesus is perfect. You'd say, and I'm not Jesus. So, am I just supposed to go and be like Jesus? Okay, so let's keep going. He says, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Okay, so we're dearly loved. That's great. You say this, though. I don't feel loved sometimes, Brad. I don't feel loved by my parents. I don't feel loved by God. Let's keep going. As dearly loved children and live a life of love. We just sang about that tonight. God's love never fails us. Oh, I wish we could be more loving, but why? Why should I? How can I? This, finally, here it is. Paul writes this, because Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And again, maybe you say, okay, but what? why did, why did Christ have to give himself for us? Why? And I would say, you know what? That's a great question, because here's the thing. He didn't have to. He didn't have to. You know what? We were, supposed to give to, we were supposed to give ourselves up to God because of our own sin and rebellion against our parents, and even more so against God himself. We were supposed to give ourselves up someday to God's judgment. And Christ, this blows my mind, he comes on the scene and goes, I'm going to take that for you. I'm going to give myself up. I'm the only man who was ever absolutely perfect and who never sinned. And I'm going to take that for you. The only guy who didn't deserve it. And we do. And so often we think that we are entitled to so much. And mom and dad, give me this and give me this. But we're, we really are like, we should be doomed. Our hearts are wicked so often. And Christ gave himself for us. He loved us enough and gave himself for us that he became a sacrifice for us. That's what it has to be. If you're fighting with your parents, maybe you have the, the capacity somehow that you stop and say, you know what, Jesus, thank you for loving me. I don't feel loved right now, God, but you love me so much. You love me so much that you died for me, that that alone is enough that you go, you know what? I'm just gonna give in. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say I'm sorry. I'm gonna apologize. I'm gonna repent. I'm going to go to my parents and say, you know what? I was wrong. I need to honor you in this. So as you move into small groups tonight, I want you to think about this final question. What does honor look like for you in your home? What does honor look like for you in your home? And we're going to be talking about different aspects, not just you and your parents for the next two weeks, but for the next two weeks, we're going to be in this series on the family. What does it look like for you to honor mom and dad at home? Let's pray real quick. God, I thank you for the truth of your word. God, I thank you that 2,000 years ago, almost 2,000 years ago, Paul wrote a letter, and it's the inspired word of God. God, you gave us the message of who you are, what you've done for us. God, I was reminded this week that every to-do in the Bible is a result of the to-done that you did for us. A pastor put it like that. Every to-do is a result of the to-done that you've accomplished for us. God, we forgive because you first forgave us. We're kind because you were first kind and gracious to us. Even the Ten Commandments, God, come right after you. You say, these are my people, and I love them, and I've chosen them. And now here's Ten Commandments. So God, remind us of the truth of your word, God, how it leads to just, quite honestly, a better life. But God, you also give us the capacity to do it God, we're not just supposed to go out and try harder, but God, as we look to your sacrifice for us, that you went to the cross for us when we deserved it, God, that's awesome. And that's amazing. And God, that can motivate me and can motivate these students to honor their parents, no matter what their parents are like. So God, give us courage this week. Give us wisdom. God, give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we've just heard. And God, may we honor our parents this week as we go home. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.